You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 45. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I'm your host, Jesse Mogul. Once again, thank you for honoring me with your time today. I know that, well, normally I say I know that you're super busy. I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. Um, for me, I have not stopped working this entire quarantine between the two podcasts and the uh, upcoming College Success Habits book that comes out in May and all the other myriad of projects that I'm doing. I've just uh, completely redone jessemogul.com. If you go over there now, pretty spectacular stuff. I even connected a College Success Habits uh, page there so you can get all the links to the show in case you ever want to tell somebody how to check it out. You can just tell them to go to jessemogul.com and tell them to hit College Success Habits and boom, you'll be right there. There's also my sobriety show. Um, I'm going to be launching a Life's Blueprint program soon that's going to help people organize um, their lives so they can see what areas they need to be putting more effort into. It's been pretty spectacular. And as always, it's just, you know, go, go, go. It uh, There's always some form of creativity in my head. And I hope that that's what you're taking this time during the quarantine to do as well. You know, I've posted a lot of things about this on Instagram that, you know, get things done, clean your house, do things that you've always wanted to do, but you couldn't prioritize. And I've also said the other side, take some time to chill out, relax, binge watch some TV shows that you've always wanted to watch, you know, take some time for self-care, whatever it is that you're finding important to do in your life right now, then do it, right? No one's going to be able to tell you what you should do. You're going to only be the, the person who has to look at themselves in the mirror and ask yourself, did I do what I wanted to do during this quarantine. And one of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode today is maturity versus growth, because I think this is a really integral time in your life to start looking at uh, what is up-leveling your maturity level versus just growth as a person. See, I will never forget on my 18th birthday, June 15th, 1994, I was asleep in my bed, super comfy, queen-size bed, the most warm place on the planet from when I was a child. I absolutely loved it. We were living on our farm, 55 acres of land out in rural Columbus, Indiana. Deer walking through the backyard, corn and garden. I mean, it was a very idyllic childhood um, in some regards, right? Under Under the surface... That's where I had to deal with a lot of my emotional maturity not being where I would have preferred it to have been. So on the morning of my 18th birthday, my mom wakes me up in a rush to tell me that she's leaving to the airport to take her and my sister down to Florida because the divorce has taken a nasty turn. Up until that point, for about the last month when the divorce was announced, everything had seemed like it was going to go pretty smoothly. That's not what it turned out to be. 
as my mom hurriedly shook me awake and said, we're going to go. We're going to Florida. We're going to Florida. I'm sorry. I'm going to miss your birthday. I love you. Goodbye. I mean, in and out faster than I could have possibly imagined. That's when that summer took a very harsh, sharp turn for me. The grumblings inside of my body that had told me not to act out and act immature and to go off the deep end began to yell louder and louder to the point where I just didn't even think about not listening to them anymore. I got stoned at my very first concert, Pink Floyd, Eighth Row Center, that night. I took acid by mid-July at a Grateful Dead show. And that started off years' worth of addiction to alcohol and I like to call them frat boy drugs. You know, the alcohol, the weed, cocaine, nothing, you know. I was always very adamant about staying away from needle drugs uh, because I'd only heard bad things about them. And that just scared me. Plus, needles scared me in general. So those were never even a thought. Then at some point, a movie called Basketball Diaries came out with a very young Leonardo DiCaprio. And that was just one of the most horrifying things to watch as a teenager. This teenage boy who was like an all-American basketball player going down through the depths of hell all because of needle drugs. And so if there was ever even a remote chance I had thought about needle drugs, that movie stripped that um, plausible idea out of my head immediately. So when I got to college and got into, again, the frat boy drugs and alcohol abuse, um, it just seemed like I was being a normal person. It, it didn't seem out of control because so many of the people that I had strategically, whether I had realized it or not then, strategically placed around myself were people who were into frat boy drugs. And my fraternity wasn't even into them. 90% of the fraternity was adamantly against my alcoholism and my drug abuse. They wanted to be known for grades and athletic and uh, athletics and for uh, being on student body and, you know, the stuff that's responsible and why you go to school. But my emotional maturity level was so low that because I wasn't the most popular kid ever in high school, let alone, I mean, I was... I won't even get into those stories. That's a, that's for another day. But I think we can all relate to not being the cool kid in school. Um, maybe not all of us. Everybody has their own stories. Um, but I, it's funny, whenever I got to college and realized how many of those quote-unquote cool kids in high school were just as bullied within their circle, um, it's it, it, it really blew my mind. you know. And they came to school, and they generally were the ones I found ready to do the partying and the drugs. Um, and so it wasn't too hard for all of a sudden me to be surrounded by people who are in high school were the starting quarterback, the starting point guard, the homecoming queen, the prom queen. All of a sudden, these people were in my inner circle. And I strategically placed them there because I was the one who had the drug connections and I knew I would be the one always invited. See, when, with emotional maturity, the issue that comes into play is that we are often raised by emotionally immature parents who were raised by emotionally immature parents who were raised by emotionally immature parents. And it becomes not necessarily heredity, hereditary, but it becomes just learned behavior that gets passed down generation to generation. And because I'm a Gen Xer, 
and you and a majority of you are millennials, um, I believe that a, a enormous amount of weight of the responsibility to begin to raise emotionally mature children so that they become emotionally mature adults is going to fall on your shoulders. Now, regardless of what generation you find yourself in or you identify with, um, very many of my attributes uh, lean towards millennial. Um, in a way, I guess 76 was sort of on the cusp. I guess they, you know, they say 80s. I mean, for a while that was called Gen Y. I'm not even, it, it, it changes around so often. I, I don't even know. Gen X seems like it was the last one where they can, they clearly say that was Gen X. Um, and then Gen Y, millennials, and I don't even know if they have a name for the ones being born in the 2020s and the 2010s yet. But the point being is that regardless of which generation you identify with, I think that it is of the utmost importance that we begin to put a humongous amount of attention towards our emotional maturity. See, it's it confounds me that we have so much information now, and yet people seem to still want to choose ignorance. See, the, I, I think that Ignorance comes from realizing that there is information that you could be using to make your life better, and you still choose not to. This is the information age. And I've said on this show before, and so I'll reiterate it now, I believe that as we flow out of the information age, we're going to move into more of a critical thinking and faculties age, where now, because information is at the the tip of our fingertips, you no longer need to know random dates and random information, because all you have to do is just ask one of your smart devices, and they'll literally tell you everything you need to know about the cotton gin or World War II or the coronavirus, and they can do it all in a blink of an eye. Knowing that World War II was from 30, 1938 to 1945 isn't information you need readily available any longer because you can literally have it at the tip of your fingertips. In a split second, you can figure out the answer to any Jeopardy question. All those teachers back in my, my high school days who said you're not you're not gonna always have a calculator around were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong. And we shouldn't have been spending $120 on a graphing calculator when I have not done any of those graphs since. <laughs> See, under most laws, young people are recognized as adults by 18. But emerging science about brain development has long suggested that most people don't reach full maturity until the age of 25. Well, 18 to 25 just happened to be my hardest drug use. By the time I turned 25 and moved to the University of Florida, I'd left the ecstasy and the LSD and the ketamine and all those little frat boy drugs I mentioned earlier. I'd left those behind, just replaced with a steady stream of um, liquor, booze, weed, and my little frat boy, cocaine use. Now, if by saying and talking about cocaine offends you or worries you or makes you think any less of me, I can't control that. I can just tell you that as somebody who left high school, and I think I was seventh in my class, seventh, I had straight A's except for stupid algebra class. I could have gone to any number of universities And I chose Ball State because it was the closest to home, and I hadn't tried very hard on my SAT scores, and I I refused to take the test again. I got into the the three top schools I wanted, and I chose the latter. I chose the the worst one based on, you know, how hard it was to get into because it was the closest to 
to my house, to my mom. And it was also where David Letterman went to school and I wanted to be a broadcast journalism major and they had the best one, uh, one of the top ones in the state. So there was pros and cons for why I went. The point being is that nothing about my behavior in high school would have led someone to believe that I would have gone off the deep end and gotten into alcohol and drugs as severely as I did. That's the thing about addiction. That's the thing about emotional immaturity and just immaturity in general is that you won't even know what's getting ready to happen until you're already freaking waist deep in it. So I talk about my drug use and I, tr- and I talk about the trials and tribulations that I went through there because I, I, I fear that when people don't talk about those things, then there's a mystique around it. And then those that, are, that, that have, you know, get offered it at a party and think, well, what's, what? no big deal, it's just one time. And yes, there's going to be a lot of you that are going to do the FOMO YOLO thing and you're going to go for it because, hey, it's just one time. And some of you, it will be one time, and some of you, are gonna, it's gonna, you're going to taste it, and you're going to lose it, and you're going to just jump right in. And it's that emotional immaturity that's going to allow that to happen. Those people that, that are emotionally immature about who they are and what they want to become ultimately are the ones who can, in a way, and not always, this isn't 100% reality, but in a, in a majority of the instances, they're the ones who can bypass the pitfalls that come from the college party scene. See, I'm a firm believer that those that, that sail through high school grade-wise don't necessarily sail through college grade-wise because I was one of those people. High school was easy for me. It was a foregone conclusion I was going to graduate with a great GPA, just, just like it was a foregone conclusion I was going to go to college. For some of you, that may not necessarily have been the case, and, and I understand you have a different story, but either way, you still made it to where you're at today. You're still either in college or you're looking to be or you're already out. The point is that when this emotional immaturity kicks in, it, 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 what it ends up doing is it, it ends up clouding what was otherwise a clear vision, right? Maturity is the ability to take responsibility for your actions and to not blame others for your problems, right? To not be able to blame other people for your problems, the situation, the world around you. I want you to hear that again. Maturity is the ability to take responsibility for your actions, and to not blame others for your problems, the situation in the world around you. When my mother woke me up on my 18th birthday and said, I'm running away with your sister. And then I'm offered marijuana and an eighth row ticket to Pink Floyd whenever I go into my music store job later on that day and I speed up to Indianapolis to go to this show. When I go to light that first joint in the bathroom with all the other people in this dope smoking circle, I thought, you know what? It's been a crap day. Mom left with my sister. I'm alone on my 18th birthday. I deserve this. This is her fault for leaving me. If whatever, if anything bad happens, it's on her. That was not a mature response. That was not me being emotionally mature. When I found out that there was some Grateful Dead shows coming to town and what a great place to go in the parking lot and find some LSD and trip out to some Grateful Dead shows, I jumped at the opportunity, packed up all my gear and went and camped out for five days just to be around all of those people, partying, drum circles, jamming out at the shows. I had a great time on acid my first time. My buddy didn't, he 
rarely, if ever, touched it again afterwards, according to him. Whereas I had such an amazing time, I jumped right in. I thought, wow, this is going to expand my mind. This is going to show me alternate realities. This is going to make me a more whole and complete person. And what it did is it robbed my brain the opportunity to fully mature and develop the way that it was supposed to, because instead of giving it the space to create and learn and understand emotions and understand uh, what I was supposed to be doing with myself, instead of doing those things, my brain was too busy trying to keep me alive through all the partying. Immaturity shows itself in the way that people react to circumstances, situations, and things in general. Right, The movies you watch, the words you use, the lifestyle choices you make, the emotions you express, and how and when you express them, the causes you support, the way you manage your health, relationships, finances, everything. Immaturity shows itself everywhere, just like maturity can show itself everywhere. The way you're reacting to the circumstance of being locked at home, to being quarantined with your family, perhaps you haven't been around them for quite some time because you've been away at school, right? The way you're reacting to the situation and the things happening in your house, to the way things are happening in society, right? Do you become emotionally triggered the moment something doesn't go your way? Do you freak out on on somebody in your household whenever they're in your way or they're annoying you because you've been stuck around them now for 19 straight days or however long? Right, the ability to take a deep breath and just say, calm down. This emotion, this thought that I'm having that they're annoying, this feeling that's coming from thinking they're annoying, it will pass if I give it the opportunity to pass. I didn't give anything an opportunity to pass whenever I got into college. Straight from that Grateful Dead show, which was in mid-July, I'm in college. I, I definitely think by the first week or two of August, because I remember there was a Nine Inch Nails concert that came to town um, in September, September 10th, 1994. And I almost got kicked out of my dorm and arrested because some friends came up and we smoked out my dorm room, which was absolutely asinine. We'd have been better off walking down the street smoking weed. That was such a stupid move. But I was in my own head. I was like, ah, whatever, I'm doing what I want. I didn't take responsibility for my actions on the day I first started smoking weed when I turned 18 or for going to the Grateful Dead show or all the actions thereafter. Right? The lifestyle choices I was making were immature because I was blaming other people for why I was behaving the way that I did. My mom had told me at a very young age that my family bloodline shows a propensity for addiction. So I heard that as permission. My brother, however, heard that as a warning call. He didn't drink alcohol until he turned 21. According to him, it was like once or twice. He stayed on the straight and narrow. He was very into his uh, religion, going to church regularly. Most of his friends he had met from church. I'm not saying that church is the way to stay away from alcohol and drugs, but he had built himself up a support system of people who were not doing that. He had surrounded himself, strategically placing people around him that would uplift him instead of bring him down. Now, I saw somebody post on Instagram the other day that, um, you know, I wasn't partying to make myself feel good. I was partying to make myself not feel bad. I'm not going to rewrite my history like that. 
I am not going to for a moment say every single time I cracked open a beer or took a puff off the weed that, and I like to, I like to make fun of uh, how I like to talk about drugs now once in a while. So if you're like, puff off the weed, okay, old man, whatever. I've, I've done my time in that world. I can talk about it however I want. <laughs> but my point being is that where was I going with that? Hold on. It's like, oh, I'm not going to rewrite my history, right? I, a lot of those times, man, it was just like, hey, let's get everybody together in a room, let's smoke some pot, and let's watch the X-Files and the Simpsons, and let's eat some Subway sandwiches on a Sunday night, and let's talk about all the fun that we had over the weekend getting drunk, right? Like, I had a blast doing it. It wasn't always to not feel bad. Whenever I started to binge drink and one night of partying turned into 17 nights of partying, that's whenever I started to do it to not feel bad. But I'm not going to say every single time I party that it was in order not to feel bad. That would be trying to rewrite a history that I know isn't true. Going back to the immaturity versus maturity thing, I was using every excuse in the book to convince myself that my behavior was fine. And I want you to ask yourself, where are you also doing that? Where are you using every excuse in the book to tell yourself that your behavior is fine? And I'm not saying that your behavior has to be off the deep end with drugs and alcohol. It could just be the way that you're snapping at the people around you right now. It could be at the way that you decided to completely isolate or over-communicate. Are you literally on the phone calling people from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m.? Right? Are you holding yourself up in your room and listening to sad songs because you don't get to be at school living the life that you wanted to live? How you express and when you express your emotions is extremely important in understanding your emotional maturity. And as we dive deeper into maturity versus growth, and we start going into the emotional and the physical and the mental aspects over the next, I don't know how long, because uh, my research into this topic has just brought out so much information. And I really, truly believe that emotional maturity is what will it was what will signify to yourself that you are becoming an adult it is what will prove to you that you are handling your business when people say i don't even feel like an adult i often think it's because emotionally we're not even we're not even remotely acting like we're an adult you are in control of your choices and you have to take responsibility for your actions While you're quarantined away, is it an amazing opportunity to be asking yourself, where are you showing signs of emotional maturity and where could you be doing better work at emotional maturity? That's what my entire life's blueprint's about, is being able to look at your life and say, where where am I doing well? Where am I up-leveling myself? Where am I growing consistently? And where could I be putting more attention? With the way that I've built my system, for me, it's something that I've honed in sobriety and recovery. So I can know with every single action, am I up-leveling myself? Am I up-leveling my career? Am I up-leveling my relationships? And so then whenever I'm done with an activity, I can walk away and say, wow, look at all these things that I just did to help myself grow. We're like plants in that you don't see the growth happen immediately. It happens in such small increments most of the time, generally, It happens in such small increments that you don't even realize it's happened until you look back and months have passed and you're like, wow, I am way different than that person. It's like going to the gym. You see yourself every day. You don't really tell the difference until you've taken a picture of yourself once a week and you put 12 of those things together. And after three months, you're like, 
what am I up to now? It is of the utmost importance that you put cognitive thinking and attention and and intention to your emotional growth and maturity. See, if you set your intention to grow yourself emotionally so, and, so that you can mature, then your attention will go there. What you set your intention toward, your attention follows. I set my intention in, at Ball State University and in Orlando when I was going to Valencia on partying my ass off and enjoying my youth. When I got to the University of Florida, the habits of acting that way were so ingrained in me that even whenever I wanted to get my head on straight and actually study and get good grades, it was still a fight. I did it. I managed to get a degree. I walked out of there with a 3.0, but I could have done better. So you, a lot people are going to attain mental, emotional, physical maturity at very different ages. Think back to middle school. When all of a sudden, Becky or Johnny comes walking into the locker room during PE and they go to get undressed and they got a full beard, got hair in places that you didn't even know hair could be. Muscles started growing way sooner than mine. On the, on the female note, you look, at, you look there and bodies are maturing, breasts are forming, and that's not something that you're, you think, well, I'm not even remotely. You might have been that person who physically matured faster and sooner and earlier than anyone else, but that did not make you mentally or emotionally more mature than the other person. So everybody is going to mature at a different age, physically, emotionally, and mentally. And I use the body as the example because you can easily go back and remember that person who had a full beard in eighth grade, Tyson. The guy in my, in my school, his name was Tyson, full beard, eighth grade. Like full on freaking facial hair. Jason Shipley was that was the athlete in middle school that already looked like he was a junior in high school. So you know those people who can do it physically. Well, why would you not assume that everybody else would also be maturing emotionally and mentally at various ages? There's a myriad of internal and external factors that will make up the reasons and, and contribute to why or why not you are mentally and emotionally and physically growing. Some people don't even reach it till middle age. Some don't get it till their kids are going off to college and they finally had to deal with somebody that was their age when they first felt trauma. Who knows? And we're going to dive into it. I'm so excited. Over these next few weeks, we're going to grow more and more and more into this because as much as I've enjoyed these episodes talking about the corona quarantine and things that you can do, by this point, you already have started to lay down the habits of what you're going to do during this quarantine, what you're going to accomplish. You can start to put better attention towards having better habits. If you have literally spent the last two and a half weeks doing nothing but watching TV, you're not going to be happy with yourself in another month or two or three when this is all over. They've already said school is basically not even going to happen over the summer unless you do it online. So the next time you're going to walk on campus could be in September. September. Now you might walk onto campus for other reasons besides taking classes. You might move back as soon as they say that you can. Could be September until you step inside of another classroom. 
That is a long time. It's to May is a month, to June is two, to July is three, to August is four, to September is five freaking months. Do you know how much you can grow and how much you can achieve and how many things you can do? And let's just say 150 days. Let's just say five months times 30 days is 150 days. That is a ton of stuff. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this with you all. I hope this has got your thinking caps on. You're starting to think about emotional maturity. There's tons of stuff you can Google out there that will help you get ideas. I'll be diving more into this next week. Again, I'm so happy that you're here and you're checking out my show. Just remember, something that you can actively do right now. Right now. You're sitting there and you're in, and you're in, you're in your house and you're on maybe you're on a nice cozy blanket pillow combination on the couch. Maybe you're on an exercise bike in your garage, just gripping on those handlebars and you're sweating and the music's pumping and pulsating through you. You're laying on your bed and you're chillaxing. Whatever it is that you might be doing, wherever it is, I want you to feel inside yourself. How do you feel right now? What is it that you're hearing? What is it that you're seeing? I want you to be present in the moment. And when something comes up, and it will very soon around you, that gets you emotionally triggered, that kicks in a thought, is that thought positive or is that, th- is that thought negative? Is the feeling that comes from that positive or is it negative? Because then the action that comes from that positive or negative thought and feeling combo is going to result in a positive or negative action, which will give you a positive or negative result. I started this show. One of the reasons I started this, and someone asked me this a long time ago, why do you want to do this show? Why do you want to write this book? Why do you want to go to colleges and high schools and middle schools and speak? And I said, because you know what? If somebody had been telling in saying this kind of information whenever I was younger, I don't know if I would have found them. I don't know if I would have listened to them. But I just wish somebody had said something remotely like the things that I'm saying to just get me to question the decisions I'm making. I was blindly following a path that my family had laid down for me and I didn't want it, but it was just so easy. This is your opportunity to lay down your own path. Just because you see your parents, your loved ones, your friends, the people you date, just because you see them acting emotionally immature doesn't mean you have to follow suit. And it doesn't mean that they're always going to get on board with your thinking. And it doesn't mean that they have to. You make the decisions on how you want to live your life. You lead by example, just like I have with so many of my friends following me down this road of sobriety. At some point, people will turn around and be like, Man, it looks like things are going really well for you. How are you making it happen? And then you can tell them. And if they're ready for what you have to say, they'll embrace it. And you might have to tell them 30 times until it gets through their thick head. I'm talking about me. Sometimes I have to hear something 30 times before I finally get it. But when I do, it's an epiphany and I, and I change. I about face and I pivot and I make better decisions and I make better movement toward maturing emotionally and mentally and physically in ways that I never thought possible. I might as well be 20 years old. I have so much vigor and enthusiasm for life. You are around that age. Seize this opportunity. 
to make changes about yourself now that will become positive habits that will help you grow the future you have always desired. And if you are currently instilling some of these old habits that I used to have, and you and now you're starting to realize this may not be the best way for me to go if I really want to be who I want to be, then you have the opportunity to make the changes now. Either make them now or make them in 20 years, but one way or another, you're going to have to make them. Save yourself a lot of grief and just start heading down that path now. And you can start today by looking at how you react to the people around you, the information that you're getting through social media and the news about this quarantine. You can start noticing how you're absorbing this stuff in and how it's triggering thoughts, which are causing feelings, which are driving actions, which are creating your results. And when you have a better understanding of that, you'll begin to see where you can start to make those tiny little incremental changes that become massive, massive personal growth and development down the road. And don't don't just think that that they're always going to be incremental. There will be times where something will happen that's so dramatic or so traumatizing or so inspirational that you will flip in an instant. And those are those aha moments that will literally lead your life for years to come. And you'll look back on them one day and somebody will say, when was the switch flipped for you? And you'll be able to recall that exact moment. Based on what the messages I've received from some of my listeners and from people just like you, perhaps you have been that I have said some things that have immediately made you reconsider the way that you had been doing stuff. I am blessed to have been a part of of one of your aha moments. I know that you'll continue listening uh, because I know that I'll continue speaking. And I hope that this has resonated with you and you can take this and you can do something with it today because I know you can if you just hit stop, take off your earphones, go start being around the people in your house, wait for that moment when something triggers you and ask yourself, what is the thought that is causing the feeling which is driving the action, and it's creating the result. When you can start to see how all those things are connected, you are on your way towards emotional maturity. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity. I am honored that I've had you for these last 30 minutes. Bless you. Stay great out there. Stay healthy. I'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. 